Once again, good morning to everyone. We know you're out there, even though you're not in the temple room right now. Some of you are working in the back, doing some background preparations for the service of their supreme lordships. Shishi Vada Kalatanji. Rupa Nogadas with you this morning, disciple of Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, grand disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj. So it's my pleasure to be with you this morning. It's very cold and very wet. It's raining here in Dallas, Texas. And in Dallas, Texas, even though it uh, makes it difficult for traveling to and from work and performing any other outside activities. Still, we learn to appreciate the rain because in the summer months it becomes very hot and very dry. Sometimes the lake levels around go down many feet, sometimes as much as 10 and 12 feet they're down. So we appreciate the rain that the Lord has sent us through his servant, um, uh, King Indra, who is responsible for the rainfall. This morning, uh, we invite you to get your copy of the Srimad Bhagavatam, or if you're not in a place that you can get your Bhagavatam out, the, the printed version, then we invite you to go to Veda Base. That's V-E-D-A base dot I-O on the internet. And you can, uh, you can find the Srimad Bhagavatam, the text, full text, along with a lot of other books by His Divine Grace Srila Prabhupada. So this morning we're going to continue our reading in the first canto and the fifth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, this chapter entitled Narada's instructions on Srimad Bhagavatam. And we're going to be addressing only one text in this chapter. It's text number 27. So before we begin, would you kindly hand me a pair of cartoons, please? Right, there's some right here. Okay. Having to depend on Sri Nat Krishna Prabhu to help me get everything together. We need cartoons. We're going to have an invocation to their lordships to please come and be with us personally, give us some words to say that might be beneficial to everyone. So I invite you to join me in the invocation. Jayarata Madhava Kunjabihari Jayarata Madhava Kunjabihari Kunjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavala Bhagiri Vardhani Jaya Gopi Janavala Bhagiri Vardhani Jaya 
ಜಶೋರನಂದನ್ನ ಭ್ರಜ ಜನರಂಜನ ಜಮುನಚಿರಿ ಜಮುನಚಿರಿ ಜಯ ಭಾಗವತೀ All glories to the assembled devotees Hare Krishna all glories to the assembled devotees Hare Krishna all glories to the assembled devotees Hare Krishna all glories all glories all glories to Shri Guru and Shri Goranga Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Shrimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamini Tinavane Namaste Saraswati Deve Gaurabhani Pacharine Nivishesha Srinivari Pashtyatare Shitarine So once again Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1 Chapter 5 Text number 27 And I'll just read uh, read the uh, Sanskrit Pashtyatare uh, Uh, words for this text in the poetry form tasmin staralabda ruchir mahamate priyasvayasyadi kalata matirmana that should be mama yayaham etat sad asat swamayaya ಪಸ್ಯೇಮಯಿ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣಿ ಕಲ್ಪಿತ ಪೌರೇ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ಒನ್ ಮಿನಿಟ್ ವಾಲ್ ಐ ಚೇಂಜ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸಸ್ ಸೊ ಐ ಕೆನ್ ಸೀ ಬೆಟರ್ ರೀದ್ ದಿಸ್ ಅಗೇನ್ ನೌ ಇನ್ ದ ಪೋಟ್ರಿ ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ತಸ್ತರಲಬ್ಧರುಚೇರ್ಮಹಾಮೇ ಪ್ರಿಯಸ್ರವಸ್ಯಾಲಿ ಮಾಮೇತ್ಸತ್ಸಮಯ ಪಸ್ಯೇಮಯಿ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣೀ ಕಲ್ಪಿತರೆ and one more time we'll read it since there's no one present in the temple room to read also tasmim stara labdaru cher mahamate priyasravasyas kalita matir mama yaya hametat sarasatvamayaya pasye mayi brahmane kalpitam pare the sanskrit can be quite beautiful so word for word translations tasmin it being so tada at that time labda achieved ruche 
taste. Mahamate, O great sage, Priyasravasi, upon the Lord, Askalita Mati, uninterrupted attention, Mama, mine, Yaya, by which, Aham, I, Etat, all these, Sat, Asat, gross and subtle, Swaimayaya, one's own ignorance, Pasye, see, Mayi, and me, Brahmani, the supreme, Kalpitam, is accepted, Pare, in the transcendence, and the translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Gijai. O great sage, as soon as I got a taste of the personality of Godhead, my attention to hear of the Lord was unflinching. And as my taste developed, I could realize that it was only in my ignorance that I had accepted gross and subtle coverings. For both the Lord and I are transcendental. Purport by His Divine Grace. Ignorance in material existence is compared to darkness. And in all Vedic literatures, the personality of Godhead is compared to the sun. Wherever there is light, there cannot be darkness. Hearing of the Lord's pastimes is itself transcendental association with the Lord because there is no difference between the Lord and His transcendental pastimes. To become associated with the supreme light is to dissipate all ignorance. By ignorance only, the conditioned soul wrongly thinks that both he and the Lord are products of material nature. But in fact, the personality of Godhead and the living beings are transcendental, and they have nothing to do with the material nature. When ignorance is removed and it is perfectly realized that there is nothing existing without the personality of Godhead, then nescience is removed. Since the gross and subtle bodies are emanations from the personality of Godhead, the knowledge of light permits one to engage both of them in the service of the Lord. That means both the gross and subtle bodies of the living entity. When they become, when the living entity becomes enlightened, then one is permitted to engage both his gross and subtle bodies in the service of the Lord. The gross body should be engaged in acts of rendering service to the Lord, as in bringing water, cleansing the temple, or making obeisances, and so forth. The path of archana, or worshiping the Lord in the temple, involves engaging one's gross body in the service of the Lord. Similarly, the subtle mind should be engaged in hearing the transcendental pastimes of the Lord, thinking about them, chanting His name, and so forth. All such activities are transcendental. None of the gross or subtle senses should, be, should otherwise be engaged. Such realization of transcendental activities is made possible by many, many years of apprenticeship in the devotional service. But simply, attraction of love 
for the personality of Godhead as it was developed in Narada Muni by hearing is highly effective. And that's the end of the purport to that text. Omagyana timidandasya gyananjana salakaya chakshurun melitam jena tasmai shri gurave nama. Shri Chaitanya Marobishtam Stapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupakata Maya Dharati Swabarantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Dutta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavam Shcha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatan Bitam Tam Sajivam Savdvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakan Vitamscha He Krishna Karana Sando Dinabando Jagadpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanjana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavadeshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hadi Priye Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripasanubhye Vacha Patitalambhav Nebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Karathara Sivasari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prasnaya Bhutale, Shri Mate Tamal Krishna Gosamaniti Namane. Rantiraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. So this morning we're talking about ignorance and how that's compared to darkness and knowledge of the Vedic literatures is compared to the sun and the personality of Godhead is compared to the sun. So wherever there is light, there cannot be darkness. So I thought we'd talk a little bit today about coming into the light. And that's a process that many of us began uh, decades ago, and some of us a little more recently. But we find that uh, for the most part, we we grew up in our lives in ignorance. Uh, even as a child, we learned that satisfying the urges of the body is the utmost activity. And so we see that in our in our grandchildren. Some of us have grandchildren now. Some of us have young children. And we see that in our children that uh, the only thing that they seem to be really concerned about, externally concerned about, is whether their bodies are, are clean and free of stool and urine and whether they have something else to eat and whether they're warm in the cold weather and whether they're cool in the hot weather. And these these are all depending now. Uh, these are the urges of the body that depend on persons beyond ourselves. That means our parents, our grandparents, our nannies, our our daycare teachers. It, we depend on them to take care of all the urges of our bodies. We we find that um, 
we're trained, we're actually trained that finding physical pleasure is the goal of life. And that starts at a very early age, doesn't it? And then after we get a little bit older, get into our teens, we start wanting to satisfy not only the the five senses of the body, which are considered our gross senses, but also we want to satisfy our subtle senses. And that becomes more and more important as we get into our teen years. So uh, we grow up wanting to satisfy the desire of the mind or get the, to have some satisfaction of the mind. And if we don't have that, then that becomes as at least as um, a, a, a disturbance to us as not being able to satisfy our five gross senses, which are those directly connected with the body. So we go through all of life thinking that happiness lies in satisfying our gross covering, which is the material body, and our subtle covering, which is the mind, and then we also would add the intelligence and the false ego. And and uh, so we uh, we don't really know that there's a reason to change until we run into some difficulties. In other words, we find a reason then a little bit later in life to begin making a change because we desire happiness, but we find as we go on that happiness is always short-lived. And it's intermittent with a certain amount of distress. Sometimes the distress is very mild. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, having words, uh, having harsh words with the people going up around us. And sometimes it's even more disturbing to us because it, uh, it gets to be, uh, something that completely takes up our mind and our energy. For example, when, when the body is really sick, or when we have a major disturbance with with friends or mates or spouses or relatives, fathers and mothers, and and those then can be very troublesome to us, and it takes a while to get over them. But what we're doing is all the time is we were trying to find happiness, because that's the nature, that's our nature. Uh, we're not satisfied unless we can be satisfied. Unless we can be happy. And so it's, we find that there is so much difficulty in getting that way. So we seek out reasons, uh, for the dissatisfaction of the mind. <clears throat> and as we, as, as we move into our later teens and our early twenties, then we become a bit more rational perhaps than we have been in the past. And so we think that there must be some way uh, to find satisfaction of the mind. Because without that, then we become very disgruntled. And we're thinking that happiness is just not going to be available to me in this world. And uh, and that's a big problem for us. So uh, sometimes we, when, when we're thinking about the how we become dissatisfied in our youth and turning into adults... Uh, we get some kind of an intuitive feeling that there must be something beyond this physical world which is full of 
of problems and full of hypocrisy and it's there's a, and it's just a lot to make us dissatisfied with our lives and so we we begin to think and and also there's the boredom if even if life is going along pretty well and all of our needs are being met and we have a good person to be living with or persons to be living with or to be working with Still, they, there's a certain uh, uh, amount of uh, disturbance in the mind that may start off as being rather mild, but then uh, we, when we experience more and more that life is the same day after day, I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. And most of us, when we first get out of school or, or finish our training of some kind, and we start into a job, we find that that uh, the actions, once we get accustomed to them, and and they become like rote, or they they're memorized practically, then we just find ourselves going to into the job every day and dealing with the people around us and trying to solve the problems for other people, whatever they might turn out to be, and so uh, this after a time becomes a little bit boring to us. And so not only do we have then distresses like uh, like uh, physical sicknesses or mental disturbances like someone is not acting as we think they should act or something is going on in my own mind that I have trouble dealing with. Uh, but we, we know we, we, we began to look, there must be, we may, we're thinking that there must be something Beyond this this uh, routine monotony of my daily life, and some of you who are listening in today, I have probably already arrived at work, and and if you're you if you're plugged in to the internet and you, and you have your earphone in so that nobody knows that you're listening to the Hare Krishna temple, then you're probably beginning to uh, maybe agree with this concept. That even though we try really hard for happiness and we do everything as right as we can, still it's, there's some difficulty there. And so we have to start looking. So we become convinced a lot of times, many of us did, or, and perhaps still do, that there is some kind of a different realm existing, a different world existing from the one that we're having to tolerate day in and day out every day. And so we think that maybe if we can get uh, into that world, if we can get into that realm, we're going to find something that is far more interesting, far more happy than the realm that we live in now with our day-to-day lives. So this is part of what we call coming into the light. We start receiving knowledge of our spiritual nature and our search for answers. We just don't know why it is that we are here and we don't know exactly who we are. And, and we certainly, we know early on, we, we were not at all convinced that we were not the body because we found all of our pleasure through our five senses of the body and we, we had our mind, which is that part of our subtle body, uh, to explore, explore new concepts and explore the universe that we're in. 
even though we didn't have very complete knowledge at that time. So uh, we began to learn the reasons for our existence in this material world. Um, only, though, when we came into the light. And the light of knowledge is what we're talking about. And so what, until we come into that position, come into the light and understand that we are not the body and that this is not our permanent residence and that it is very short-lived, then until we get to that point, then we just feel like we're doing the same thing day in and day out. And for what good purpose? Only to see our children come and grow up and go to school and get out and start work and having families of their own and children. And, and, and we, we began taking pleasure in dealing with our grandkids or maybe sometimes it's not so pleasurable because they have their own problems to deal with and we have to help them. Uh, so anyhow, we find some satisfaction in doing that. So that is, that becomes then part of the reason for our existence in this material world. But you know, we, we have, we keep having that itch in the back of our minds that uh, there's got to be more to it than this. There's just got to be. Because after the grandchildren come and you played with them for a couple of decades, then you get to the point that you're approaching the your your jumping off point. In other words, we all have to leave these material bodies and we just rather not think about it until we get into our maybe 60s or 70s or 80s and then we, we get to thinking, wow, I, I, I'm running out of time and I haven't gotten everything done that I wanted to do. Maybe I should plan a, a book of vacation on a cruise liner and go to some other country and go up and down the river and see all the beautiful sights and eat the beautiful food and, and be with all the beautiful people. But, uh, you know, if we know of someone who has done this already, we, we've understood that probably one of the best parts of the entire trip was getting back home. And so that's the way we should feel about our lives in this material world. We're not going to be really satisfied and comfortable until we get back home, wherever that is. So we've become convinced that we can experience some higher consciousness by taking up those practices that are recommended by persons that are on a spiritual path already. And we find that we will have to change some of the actions that we perform all the time. Or at least we have to change the goal of our actions. And eventually we have to change the goal of our lives. So, very fortunate are we who have come into contact with persons who are exemplifying wonderful literatures that we can read, that have been brought to us by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada. And, and we, we, uh, then we can start looking for a community of other seekers. In other words, sometimes uh, we receive a book from someone on the street or we find a book, uh, I, but somehow that comes into our possession and we read Prabhupada's words uh, that are coming from the ancient literatures like the Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita. And, and we read those words and we, we begin to think, 
wow, there, this is this is the first time I've ever heard of this. This is really very interesting. I wonder if there are any other people in a group who are already meeting together on a regular basis. And I, we, we can remember looking for that group of people. And somehow that we found our way into a temple room. And, and, and so by the grace of the Supreme Lord, uh, we come into contact with persons who are engaged in other activities in the temple room and, and, and they help us to also become engaged in, in our, using our bodies to perform different kinds of activities that are mentioned in the text today. And, and, uh, and engaging our mind and hearing about transcendental topics and discussing them and actually reading about them ourselves or continuing to read because we had begun reading even before we found the temple. So reading and hearing to engage our minds, performing activities of service to engage our bodies, those are the kinds of things that are recommended to us by persons who are farther along the path than we are. So we learn then the value of serving those people, those persons who gave us, gave us uh, a knowledge that we are using now to uh, extricate ourselves from this boring, troublesome daily routine that we're undergoing. And, uh, and so it, we, we get to the point eventually of finding someone who is going to be our guide for our entire lifetimes. And that person we know is our spiritual master or our guru, Maharaj, means the person who can give us advice on how to live our lives now and can, can give us information about what it is that we should prepare for and can help us to stay in the association of persons who are on the same path, which is much better than we had before we came into contact with the devotees and their literature. And so we accept the spiritual master as our guide and inspiration, and we accept the other uh, senior devotees whom we can accept as our shiksha gurus, or those gurus who can help us, can guide us, and give us advice when the spiritual master, when the initiating spiritual master is not personally present. And so that's what we learn to do as devotees. And so we, we, uh, are very, we consider ourselves to be very fortunate to have made this journey, uh, to have been just kind of bobbling along in life. And then all of a sudden somebody puts a piece of literature in our hands and we read it. And then we begin to look for other persons who are practitioners of what we've been reading. And then when we find them and get engaged in the devotional service that it comes about being in a temple, a temple setting, uh, then we can start making some really good progress. And then eventually we will find ourselves a, a, an initiating guru, someone to take, take us on as his, as his children or, or to be our, someone that can be our mentor. And help us to learn things that, that we've been wanting to learn about but didn't know how to. And this, this reminds me of a, of a, of a story that I've just read, a short story on, on uh, Facebook. Someone has published something about a, a woman who was living in 
one of the Middle Eastern countries, Azerbaijan, 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 or some people say Azerbaijan. And this is one of those countries that we've heard about in the past. If we've ever had any dealings, as I have had, with a person who worked in the petroleum industry. And so Azerbaijan is a fairly small country, as I understand it, in the Middle East. And and the person who was who was talking in this article that I was reading, uh, he said that uh, he heard about an, a woman in uh, that had somehow or other been given a book by a devotee. I think it was Bhagavad Gita, and she had come to the temple, and she had shown a great amount of interest in reading and learning about the Supreme Lord through the book and now through the association with other devotees. And it was interesting also that she had found a little doll, uh, just a little doll, that was uh, uh, in the form of baby Krishna. He had had blue complexion and he, he was dressed in a certain way and, and she considered that to be actually the Lord himself. She called it her Gopal. And she would do things that seemed rather strange to other people. For example, one time she uh, bought a, a remote-controlled uh, little car, and she put her little Krishna doll into that car. And when she and and she would just drive it around and around remotely. And uh, and when she was asked, "Why are you doing this?" and she says, "Well, you know, young kids they like toys. They like to play." So to her, Krishna was just a little boy, and she was doing what she could to entertain him. And as time went on, uh, she kept coming to the temple, and 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 the persons there, they tolerated her. She was seemed a bit eccentric to them, because she she claimed to talk to this little baby Krishna, this this little doll that she had. And that she claimed that, that Krishna would talk back to her. And so she got to a point in life where uh, her, her family had all moved out and she was by herself in her house. So she asked the devotees if she could sell her house and give the money to the temple and that the temple would, could just provide her with just a simple room where she could come and live and help do devotional service. And they said, all right. So they did that. And she was given a, a, a little room to, to stay in. And she began helping in all kinds of the activities that went on around the temple. Then once upon a time, she she uh, saw a video. And this was back, I think, in the 1990s. She saw a video that was uh, put out by uh, His Holiness Indra Swami. And he had gone to this place in India. Uh, it was a very remote place, and he had to go through a jungle and through and to come to a place. And then up in up in the mountain, on the side of the mountain, there's a cave, and someone was leading him, and he went into this cave, and it was very dark, and the water that they got into uh, came up to their chests. And they continued going, even though they, they felt a lot of trepidation about going into such a dark place. But uh, in just a little bit, they, they saw a light at the end of the cave and heard the tinkling of a bell. And they went there. And the, there was, at the very back side of this cave, 
There was a self-manifested form of Lord Nrsinghadev. And there was a Pujari who came there and worshipped the Lord and with oil lamps. And, and he was going through the worship. And there was also a, a young couple there with the Pujari. And they were sitting there and observing the worship of Lord Nrsinghadev. And they, it, was, it was said that they were just newly married or they were just about to get married. Can't remember. Anyhow, they had also gone through this, this water uh, and, and, and to the backside of the cave with, with the Pujari and had sat and were observing the Arctic ceremony of the, of the Lord. And so she's, uh, this woman that we're talking about, she had taken initiation and I think her name was Patasavanam. And uh, Mother Patasavanam was then very interested in this, and and she uh, saw that it, that the deity had been neglected for a long time, and the, the the pujari was no longer coming every day to do worship. He would only come once a week because it was a dangerous trip. He had to go through a jungle where there were snakes and tigers. There was even a sign that said, beware of the tigers. And so he would make this trip every day and come and perform the worship ceremony. So this lady then, Parasavanam, was, she was very concerned that the Lord was not being worshipped properly. He was not being worshipped every day. And so she asked her little doll, Gopal, uh, how she could help, what should she do? And she she told the devotees afterward that Gopal had told her she should go there where that cave was and that she should worship uh, Lord Nrsinghadev. And so the person who was relating the story said that he tried to convince the lady that it was it was our practice that we could worship Radha and Krishna in the temple and not have to uh, not have to try to go to such a dangerous place. And he said, besides, uh, you know, there's no place to sleep. And how would you provide for your food? And and there's so many problems that you could face. And besides, you have to have the money to get there because it's not a simple trip. And so um, she was not to be deterred. So she found a way to get money for the for her ticket. And she went to India by airplane and then she found someone who could take her uh, to this, uh, this little temple room in the cave, at the, at the back of a cave in the mountain, side of the mountain. And so she saw how, how the worship was going on. And, and so the person who's relating the story said he tried, he, he thought that this would convince her that it was simply impossible for her to go there and live. But she was fully determined to go there and live because Gopal had told her to. And she was determined to do it. And she was determined to, to increase the worship of, of Lord Nrsinghadev uh, back in this cave. And so there was a little building that had been constructed at the front of the cave. And so she said, well, this will be just fine for me. And so she decided to stay there and in that building. And so the person who was narrating said that he went back and told some of the villagers who lived not too far away about this woman who was who was seemed like a very saintly person. 
And then uh, the person who was narrating had to go away. But the people of the, of the community began coming and helping to take care of this lady. And she was, she, she was uh, continuing to help with the worship until eventually the king of that part of, the, of India uh, found out that within his kingdom there was this very saintly woman from another country who had come and, and was worshiping in an old temple that had been neglected for years and years. And so he came and he saw that what the determination of this little lady and he began to make all kinds of changes, including he built a, a, a highway uh, to get to uh, very close to where that, that place was. And he even had uh, water and electricity brought in uh, to the place. And so the, the little lady was, was still continuing to worship the deity. And so the person who was narrating all this heard about what was going on. And he was just amazed that Krishna could bring this little woman in from some far distant place and encourage her to the point that she would, uh, she would come and worship him in his Lord Nisingadev form. And so... Time went on, and eventually, one morning, the people came in uh, to the came into the temple, and uh, or came into and she was she was not in the temple; she was she was in her quarters. So they went into her quarters and found her, and she had her arms wrapped around a deity form of the Lord, and and so they they called her, and she didn't respond. And they checked her and they found out that she had given up her body. So this is just, you know, it's a very unusual example of something that actually occurs. That Krishna is so kind that if a person is really determined to serve him, Krishna will make all arrangements. So I suspect that there are some of you who are listening in now or who are listening after this class is, is finished on the archived version who are, who are probably wondering, will I ever get the opportunity to come and serve in the temple more than I'm having right now? And I think that we can see by this example that uh, if you're really sincere, then Krishna will make all arrangements. Occasionally, there will be someone who wants to come and live in Radha Kalachanjidam here in Dallas, and, and and so they will be talking with me about it that they're that they would really like to do that, and I'll just tell them all it takes is a very very strong desire to do so, and I said then if Krishna is satisfied with your desire, he and and he sees that that desire is very strong. He will make all arrangements for you to come. And, you know, I, I remember back when, uh, when, when my family, my wife and I and our children, and there were some other families in, that were living up in Tennessee, state of Tennessee. And in 1978, uh, the person who had come and was uh, accepting responsibility for this temple, Tamal Krishna Goswami, he made a trip up into Tennessee to invite us to come down and just take a look and at the community that was reforming, reforming after it had, had been left by the previous person who was the spiritual leader. 
And that person, incidentally, went on to uh, other places to continue his his uh, quest of a spiritual life. And he's well a well-known personality within the International Society of Krishna Consciousness. So it's not like he just abandoned things. It was this was right after Srila Prabhupada was left. And the country was divided up into different regions. And then persons were, certain persons like Tamal Krishna Goswami were asked to come and, and please to try to be the spiritual mentor for the people of this community. So anyhow, when we had the desire to come here from the state of Tennessee, uh, Krishna just made all arrangements that we could get here. We had the transportation. We had some money to bring uh, to help us get by. And uh, the temple had some housing that they had just purchased. So all of these things came together. And it was only because we had a very strong desire. As a matter of fact, the desire was so strong that I was willing to give up one of the best engineering jobs I'd had in my entire career. And this was in 1979. So we came here and we just, we and Krishna just made the arrangements for us and Somehow or other, we've been able to stay since 1980, as have many other people, or the early 80s, or maybe even into the 90s, they've come. And so we're talking about two or three, four decades of time. And if, if a person is really sincere in his or her desire to come and, and be with the devotees in Radha Kalachanji Dham, then all they have to do is make their petition to the Supreme Lord. Come come to the temple room, stand in front of their lordships on the altar, and and offer a sincere prayer. And just tell him. Tell him what's on your mind. And and if you have a sincere desire and if the deities feel that this is the best situation for you, then you will be surprised how simple it can be made for you to make the transition from wherever you are now, whatever work you're doing, uh, to come to this community and become a part of it. So, uh, coming, we're talking about today coming from, from the darkness of ignorance into the light. And we have, we've, we've experienced this ourselves and we've seen others come and do the same thing, even though there might be difficulties to overcome. We can see from the example of this little, uh, woman from Azerbaijan. Uh, we can see that if a person simply has the the desire and has the faith that Krishna will take care of all the details, then Krishna will make all arrangements for them. And if it's not this community they're supposed to go to, Krishna will arrange that they go to another place where they can serve him as well. So at this time, we're going to stop and uh, and thank everyone for coming and listening uh, online or by radio or telephone. And it's, uh, we're thinking particularly of Mother Shukshma Rubini and hope that she is, uh, if she's being safe today, she, she is a truck driver and she travels all over the country. And sometimes she listens in by telephone to the classes here in Radhakalachanji's temple. So all of you who are listening in, we thank you very much for giving up a portion of your morning to come and and hear uh, the discussion of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So we say, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. And we offer our respectful obeisances to all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord who are just like desire trees.
who fulfill the desires of everyone and who are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripasandabhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnapebhyo Namo Namaha Anantakoti Vaishnarinda Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Shishi Radha Kalachanjidam Ki Jai Natai Gora Pramananda Haribo Have a good day everyone, stay safe. Hare Krishna.